Outrocast. Mario, Mandela, pleasure to be speaking with both of you, to say the least. So many things I want to ask. Before, before I do that, small talk reasons. How are you doing today? Mandela first. I'm doing good. Uh, just got back to LA, sunny, shorty, uh, not raining. I was expecting it to be really, really rainy, so it's a good time. Looking forward to getting some Mexican food after this with pops. And uh, yeah, I'm having a good, good day. Uh, Movies coming out March first. What about you, man? I'm enjoying myself. It's not every day you get to do press with your kid, talk talk shit about movies you like and didn't like, and wear a cowboy hat, and and he's got his what is it? Oh yeah, Homeland Security, and he's got his Prince shirt on. I feel it, you know. Well, I don't have the movie swag, um, Mario. Do you get movie swag made for all of your movies? They they make it. Usually they make it, and this is a pretty dope one. That's really, let me hear it. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll say commercially yeah. sold or limited edition. I li limited as far as I know, but you should inquire because inquiring minds want to know. So why not up here? Well, you know, <laughs> winding a little bit. The last time I had the leisure, uh, pleasure. I can't speak today. The pleasure of speaking with you, Mario. It was for a clear shot four years or so ago, and every project that you said was coming up, like the salt and pepper one happened was this one in the works back then the four-ish years ago probably i was you know i there's there's different marios and let me elaborate on that so my the writer mario kind of writes quietly and usually three in the morning the voices come and i go down and so i'll get ideas and there was a circle that I was interested in. I was like, well, you know, who gave me my first lines ever in a feature film? And it was my dad. And then I thought, wait a minute, technically I gave him his last lines in a feature film. And I was starting to think about the circle of that. And I was starting to think about Boy Named Sue, the Johnny Cash song. And instead of, so, so an idea might circle around in my head and, but that Mario is at three o'clock in the morning. So it's not even recorded yet, right? It's just sort of floating. And then little by little, I'll start to creatively assemble the pieces and, and it'll come together and go, wow, shit, this is, a, this is a fun movie idea. And I know someone who's been practicing being my son for a few years and can ride a horse. Over there, yeah. Right, and, and, uh, and when I did Posse, you know, I had my dad, I didn't have kids. And now that I have, uh, you know, now that I'm doing this one and I have my kids, I don't have my dad. And so I thought it was interesting connective tissue you know, in the in the legacy of that, from Melvin to Mario to Mandela, mm -hmm. to, to that, and to play it out. Um, and I like that we didn't, as he said in earlier interview, which I really like, was we didn't have to fake the love, you know, and 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 we didn't have to fake the conflict. So if there was characters with conflict, he could take conflict that was in some other part of our lives and apply it to this, and I could do the same, and then we could also have that that there. So you have the complexities, and then you get smart people like. John Carroll Lynch and Whoopi Goldberg and Emmett Walsh and Neil McDonough and on and on and on. And it just brought Edward James almost. And yeah. uh, it becomes a mad fun party. And I give each one of those actors, each one of those characters, and they deserve it, their moment, their intros, their, you know, so it's not just, it's not just getting great people in, it's giving them their moment, including Alan Payne. Right, just a few Academy Award winners in there, just a few. Now, Mando, do you remember the first time you saw Posse? Were you force-fed it, or did you go, 
I'm not going to see any of my father's work because this is boring and that's my dad. No, no. Um, I've always had the pleasure of being pretty close to the business and whether that be visiting them on set or traveling with them to, to see the releases in different parts of the world. But I love watching Fosse. I, I, I think it's cool. You get to see your dad doing different stuff. So it's like... Your dad and your granddad. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, an action figure of your dad being <laughs> solo or, you know, the cowboy or even Los Locos. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. All kind, all kind of good ones. So I think it's... I think what, what what he's doing for a living and I've gotten the pleasure of growing up watching and I guess following in his footsteps is is one of the more interesting ways to shape the the world and, and how people view it. So, yeah. Do you do you remember the first time you saw Posse around what age you were? No, no. Probably too early, but <laughs> It happened. And, and kudos to you, Mario, on the casting, not just for the name value, but showing that comedians generally are the best actors out there. Do you remember the first star who was attached to Outlaw Posse? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, it just started coming together pretty quickly. I talked to Cedric early on. I, yeah, Cedric, I think, was the first one. I had directed Cedric in something, and I thought, you know, he's got... He's got, and no pun intended, he's got some gravitas, some heft, and um, and not afraid to be directed and take some chances. So I think Cedric was the first one. And, and a lot of the people, people I had directed or acted with, or you know, come across in life in some way, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I wanted, I wanted smart people that could really three-dimensionalize their roles, you know, that that you felt when you met. John Carroll Lynch, that you knew who that character was. He knew who that character was. Mm -hmm. And when you, even if they're just in the beginning of the movie, you know, you meet Emmett Walsh and Cam Gigante and and Neil McDonough, and those are three guys that could carry a Western easily themselves. So you open frame going, whoa, that's what you're opening with? And you keep it going throughout. And then you get a ride with Whoopi. And then, you know, the guy handling the dynamite is Alan Payne, and the guy who's the mayor is Cedric. And the guy who's dry goods store is, you know, you know Edward James almost, and so it goes on. But then also you give them something to do when Edward comes out, and you say, "Oh, we're in the middle of his dry goods store in the middle of nowhere, and we've gotten the horses have gone missing, mm -hmm. and we're a multi-culty posse." And we come in and go, "The horses are gone." Multi-culty posse. Yeah, and he starts. I've never heard that abbreviation said before. Yeah. Multi-culty posse. He starts cracking up and he goes, I could have told you that. The originals will liberate your horses. Who? Who? The what? He goes, yeah, the engines. Because this kind, these particular natives don't think human beings have the right to own any of God's critters. Now, before you get mad, these are the same engines that set my wife free when she was born enslaved. And that's why we built our dry goods store right here. And so as a, as a multi-culty, since you like my new word, yeah, I do. to hear that, that's like, that's a bit of a, a mind blower. You go, how do I process that? Do you know what I mean? And then we've got to hitch a ride with none other than stagecoach Marion, and she's got her whole dynamic. And so each character, the power dynamics continue to shift as a good, I, I like to like Iliad in the Odyssey and that you're following Homer through these, these series of 
crazy events, but somehow it gets there. And I like that. I like that you go, I'm seeing stuff I've never seen in a Western. I'm seeing Butch and Sundance like I've never seen them and I'll never see them again. You know, for example, when you saw it, did you know that was DC Youngfly? I did because I read the credits and I go, <laughs> oh, okay. I know a lot of people in this movie. Therefore, I'm going to watch this movie. That's the kind of person that, that I am, unfortunately. But you, did you know that was him robbing the bank? I I didn't know until I went on IMDb and went, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because it's not often you get to see a black guy robbing a bank with a white dude in whiteface. <laughs> and when we did it, DC said, okay, if I'm going to be Butch and Sundance, I want to be the Robert Redford character with the blonde hair. <laughs> it's a reverse Al Jolson, I, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Although we start out with the the other version of that. The, 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 you got to drop one shoe and then drop the other. To I to totally, totally get it. So this is a, a new movie to us, an old movie to you two. Mandela, are we allowed to know where we're going to see you next, what we're going to see you in, or do we just have to wait for the Hollywood Reporter to say, it's okay to learn now? Uh, it's always okay to learn that. I think I can let you let you know a couple new movies, though. Um, Reginald the Vampire Season 2, uh, that's going to be coming out March 8th, I believe. So uh, that should be a fun one as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, just... Wait for the Hollywood Reporter, I guess. <laughs> or, or are we following you on Instagram to learn? What's the way that we best keep up on you, the latest and the greatest? Uh, not really big on the social. So, yeah, just just like this. we got to just talk, man. Let's do another one of these. Hey, you got my support. Yeah. Um, and I am on Instagram under my name. So I'll you are. And people's on Instagram. And... Um, and it comes out March 1st everywhere, I love Posse. And again, when you make an independent movie, you're not gonna have the big Marvel you know, advertising budget. So it is really guys like you, word of mouth. So thank you for hey. talking to us and seeing it, man. And, and, and it makes it special when people go, I saw it. I'm not telling you to see something I didn't see. I saw it and you'll enjoy it. And that's great, it means a lot. Well, thank you. And the last question for both of you, and Mario, you first, what's the last concert that you went to as a fan. And the reason I ask is because of New Jack City, you're forever associated with music because that's kind of a, a soundtrack that changed everything right there. Then of course, you're always looking for your next project of some sort. And you, you don't need me to explain why music's important. What's the last oh, concert you went to? Totally. So um, I, you know, I listened to a lot of different kinds of music. You know, I did uh, the Salt and Pepper movie. Yeah. I was in Girl Power Land for a bit, which was dope. Um, I just went to a concert with Mark Canton. We did New, he produced New Jack City. Um, and we went to see, he had tickets to see Kiss, their last concert, Madison Square Garden. You saw it at the Garden, wow. Yeah, yeah, so I saw that, you know. I'd never been to a Kiss concert before. I'm looking at doing a piece on uh, Little Richard and Buddy Holly and, and you know, the that Hopper? at Aaron. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of that Chuck in some Chuck Berry. So I'm, I'm, I'm always all over. I was just in Cartagena, Colombia with my daughter Morgana and there's all kinds of great music there. And yeah. so, you know, I'm always, because that it's like, um, Sergio Leone told uh, Andrew Marconi, you know, Marconi was the composer for Sergio Leone, the director who did, you know, um, Good, Bad and the Ugly. And he said, it's not the director's job to inspire the composer. I think it's the reverse. So we would have 
Marconi make the score early. And that's one of the things about Outlaw Posse was really happy with what our, our composer Dante did with the score. And he did the score early. I went to him just like, you know, I, I imagined Marconi and, and uh, Leone doing and talked about it. And he came up for that score early. And so I was able to have the actors go in hearing the music, which was really dope. Yeah. Well, fun fact before Mandela uh, response to Did you know that Gene Simmons from Kiss spoke at Chuck Berry's funeral? Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it happens. That's not true. I don't know. I, I had all that time to think about it. I, I was. But... Something at the Hollywood Bowl. Um... The last one oh. coming to mind might have been just like... Well, you just worked with Rizzo. We, we, oh. we worked on Wu-Tang, so mm -hmm. we've been seeing stuff with the Wu-Tang folk, right? Yeah, I don't know what my last concert was. Well, if it if it were RZA, that that'd be a hell of a concert. Bobby Digital himself, but the key oh. is, thank you too for the great art that you put out into the world. Congrats on Outlaw Posse, Amanda. I think the pressure's on you to get the fourth generation Van Peebles into a father son movie. So I hope that eventually happens, and I'll just keep checking the Hollywood Reporter for both of your projects. Awesome! I had a great time, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank is that you. a photo on your wall? Well, thank you for taking the time. I'm going to say good morning, or is it good afternoon by you? Ah, it's 11, so whichever you prefer. Well, for you, it's good morning. For me, it's good afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. How's the day going, aside from answering the same questions over and over and over again from media? The day's going great. I got up, I got my workout in, I got a Chick-fil-A burrito. I'm chilling. It's been a good day. Was that a Chick-fil-A product placement? Are they one of your new endorsements because of the new EP and all that? Oh my gosh, I wish Chick-fil-A was. I literally, I have like three t-shirts about Chick-fil-A and I go there so much that the people that work in my hometown know me when I come through. You never know what the idol team can make happen because totally. they've got all the partnerships. So let's put that on the bucket list, uh, the endorsement. But anyway, congrats on the new EP. Uh, when did you actually finish it? Um, I wrapped it up in about October. Got it. Were you making it in secret? In other words, did they have to say, okay, so it's a TV person, but we can't say who it is? Because sometimes that does happen with big, uh, high-profile projects. Um, I wouldn't say that it was necessarily that much of a secret, but especially in terms of, I like to say I'm Hannah Montana, so I was trying to go to school and do music at the same time. Yeah. So everybody, you know, would see that I wasn't there a lot of the days and there were, you know, nobody knew what the crap I was doing. So it is very refreshing to be able to say it was an EP and that's what I've been working on this whole time. So it was pretty secretive. So you had the best of both worlds? Is that the... I should it. <laughs> there you go. So what made you want to become a singer in the first place? That's a great question. Um, I grew up around music. My dad was a musician and I like to say that I just came out of the womb singing. It's always been a part of me. And then uh, Boy Hurt My Feelings when I was like 12 or something and I started writing songs and it just it came together so chaotically but in such perfection. So I wouldn't want to do anything else. At what age was your first live gig? Oh, that's a good question. I don't necessarily remember like my first haven madison gig but i do remember my first time singing on stage i was seven i think and i sang oh holy night um at church with my dad wow did you have to really learn how to use a microphone because i think you can learn how to sing really well but the second that you get the mic in your hand and you're not used to echoes and not being able to hear yourself it's kind of a shock 
it's almost like a skill into itself to learn that. Right. I, I think I learned most of those things in church. Um, I remember my first time like using my headphones and hearing things in my ears for the first time like that. Um, it's definitely a skill, but for the first couple of things I did, I was a stick bug and I just stood there with the mic and did the best I could. There you go. So the American Idol stage, of of course, that's a little different than singing in church. What was the hardest part of all that for you? Was it learning how to do media? Honestly, I I wouldn't say media was the hardest part. I would say being on a show that is that has judges and is technically a competition at the end of the day uh, makes people very vocal. So I would say, you know, it was very hard to like try to be on my phone or like scroll on Instagram and see what my friends were doing because people were, you know, commenting whatever they thought or messaging me whatever they thought. And so just as a 16 year old baby uh, getting used to the fact that there was like a middle aged woman telling me I was talentless, that that was pretty difficult to adjust to. Yeah. So how do you handle the trolls? I mean, different people do different things. Some people ignore. Some people say, oh, yeah, today's the opposite day. That kind of that kind of a thing. What's your approach? That's a good question. I think it kind of depends on the comment or the mood I'm in in the day. I'm definitely not afraid to respond to them because I'm big on empowerment and uh, spreading kindness and positivity. So I'm not afraid yeah. to respond and be like, hey, like, this is stupid. Just block me. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I do try to ignore it. But it's definitely nothing I'm foreign to at this point. Um, I'm kind of just aware that even in my hometown, like, I I'm just kind of aware that my name's generally going to be in most people's mouths. But really, there's not a bad publicity all publicity is good publicity so well said well again we were connected because you have a new ep out have you recorded other th things are, are there demos do you know what the next release is looking like yeah i'm actually starting to form my plan for the next release which is really really exciting um lots of things coming up but being a songwriter uh, not only do i do it recreationally for fun but um, I'm signed on publishing, so my weeks mm -hmm. consist of rehearsals and meetings and social media and then also writing sessions. So I have a very long list of demos that are very hard to pick from right now. When it comes to writing sessions, from having worked with songwriters and producers, I know that some people come to the table as the top line person, the person who has the melody. Other people are the vibes person. All they do is they make sure that everyone's having a good time to get along. Other people are the producer or engineer, the person's actually working the computer. Which one do you come to the table with usually? I definitely come to the table with top lining, um, but I think something I enjoy and something that's cool about my writing is I'm not foreign to any other piece of it uh, because I grew up with my dad and I was learning how to sing in a studio while he was learning how to produce. I know the sounds I want in the studio and I know the duplicates and doubles I want and the time frame. So I'm definitely not afraid to talk to the one that's behind the computer and uh, explain what I want as well. Wow. Okay. So you're a pro, you're a veteran. At your age, that's that's the vibe I'm getting. That you were taking this seriously since you were probably eleven or twelve. I was, yeah. I mean, it was taken seriously, but it was also such a point of interest that it was never like I need to learn how to produce. It was just like, whoa, like what buttons are you pushing right now, Dad? <laughs> so no paper route, no working at the Gap. Your first job was basically American Idol. I mean, I definitely I had I had my fair share of first jobs. I had my babysitting and I worked at like a arcade and you know, I, I had my fair share, but definitely my first big girl uh task was going on American Idol and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's fantastic. And are you aware of touring plans or anything like that, or is that all under embargo till the time is right to unveil? 
I mean, definitely, you know, kicking, touching into the water, trying to figure out what we're thinking and stuff. I definitely do want to tour. I love a live show. Um, it's kind of, I think touring is mainly determined by how much people care. Uh, so we kind of have to see what people think and how they consume the EP, but um, definitely touring is in the future. When somebody sees you live, is it just basically going to be turn off all the lights and one or two covers? Do you know what your set list might look like? Yeah, I think um, there's such a beauty and an art to a live show. It's not just turn on a track and play the song how you made it. It's make a new song. Um, so I'm working on some live stuff right now. I've had some rehearsals because I've got a few showcases uh, kind of spread across um, the country. And it's definitely an art to go back through and make each song fresh and make a new version. And I love covers. Um, definitely would play what I've released. I would love to play some unreleased stuff, too. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from the concerts I've been to. So, yeah. Oh, what's the last concert or two that you went to as a fan? Uh, the last one I went to as a fan was Noah Khan. It was incredible. Uh, I would like 10 times over go again. It was it was insane. Was your father making you go to a lot of concerts as a kid? Oh, no, he was never making me. But I actually uh, I lived on a tour bus for the first seven years of my life. I was homeschooled while he was a touring artist. So I grew up where every night was a concert. And so it was kind of just like my nature. And then once I got a little bit older, because he continued to be a touring musician, I could pick and choose when I wanted to join him or who he was going to be with. And even to this day, uh, he's a speaker now. I'm actually going to Winter Jam tonight at Bridgestone, which is a Christian conference. Um, so definitely there's a lot of options with seeing live shows. And, you know, he pulls his connections to help me uh, get inspired and learn. That's another skill that you have that I don't think most people know, which is learning how to live off of a tour bus. You have years of experience of that already. I do. Yeah. And I, I honestly loved it. It was, I, I was so young. And so I, di I, and I didn't know anything different. I remember my first time in public school, I literally had to ask so many questions. I was like, okay, like what is an ACT? Like, what is all this? I didn't know. Um, so my normal day to day was sleeping on a bunk and setting up and, you know, like wrapping up all the wires and helping them get the riser set up. Like that was, that was my normal. So. Were you drinking coffee at a young age also to keep up with those hours? No, I I was on the juice of Jesus somehow. I, I still don't like coffee. I'm sure I'm going to get there eventually because I work like a mule, but I uh, still not really into the coffee thing. Unless there's an endorsement like your future Chick-fil-A endorsement, right? Then you love truth, coffee. Truth. Well, uh, the last two questions before I let you go. Um, First one is these unreleased songs of yours, because you're writing a lot more than you get to put out. Might those wind up with other artists or there just have to be a Haven Madison posthumous box set that we wait 50 years for? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think there is such beauty when an artist can learn that it's better to collaborate than to compete. And mm -hmm. um, I've learned that myself in working with other artists and seeing how other artists work. So I'm I'm not opposed to if I write a song and it just doesn't fall in my catalog to handing it off to another artist. I think art um is when it's right and when it's intentional, it's meant to be heard. It's not meant to sit in a file forever. So whether it sits in my file and eventually comes out with the right project or whether I hand it off to another artist depends on the song, but I definitely think that all art is meant to be heard. Hmm. And the last question for you before I let you go. Uh, so, so far we've learned you're a Chick-fil-A person. You do go to concerts. You're writing a lot, not just as your career, but your hobby. What's the next big passion besides music and family and faith? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have always been a performer. I was that kid that was like, mom, like watch me do a forward roll. 
Um, so I love acting. I love modeling. I love fashion. And I want to go full swing into those things. I have uh, an EGOT on my bucket list. So oh. all the things, all things performance is what I love. And I'm just trying to kind of spread out into each zone and waters. But um, I just I think the theme between everything I do is just being uh, authentically human. So finding different acting opportunities and fashion opportunities and modeling opportunities to display that as well. EGOT, you just said it all right there. Well, thank you for your time, <laughs> Haven. Uh, looking forward to seeing you live in New York in the near future and uh, the next release after the CP. Yay, thank you so much for your time. Outrocast. So, so bye and Jeff, a yes. pleasure to be speaking with you both today. And I'll Me too. You, Jeff, um, when did you first learn about Bye? Do you remember her first movie you saw her in? To be honest with you, the first movie that I remember her in was Crank 2. Wow, I love that one. Cool. Crank 2, I remember that because my friend, he was in love with the Crank movies. And he's like, you got to see this movie. And I remember uh, seeing the movie and she was so like, like out there. And like, she reminded me of like Nicolas Cage. Oh, really? Yes. Awesome. I love him. Yes. Well, bye. You are always working. Whenever I look at your IMDb, there's always 20 movies coming up in the near future. Um, what do you remember about making Omicron Killer with Jeff? I actually remember Jeff because he has this very nice spirit. We get along very well. He has a song. I love him, too. I was in yeah, their place. I'd appreciate the production. Put me in the big castle. I love there, the hotel. I was like, <laughs> wow, so cool. And I remember that we communicated. Unfortunately, somebody else booked us. We just get to know each other. And I wish that role was bigger, but we already made whatever we can. But he promised it would be bigger. So I remember um, Jeff's very talented. I love to work with him. And he's very down to earth, very nice. We We actually get along very well. So we you did. can see from the movie, yeah. I want a big role in his movie because he's very good. Thank you. Now, Jeff, Bai is not the only star in your film. There's some great people that we recognize from television and film. Do you remember the first person that you were able to secure or cast in the film? I'm um, the star. I'm the only star. <laughs> okay. She's, oh. she's the star, but the first person that we got I believe was Lynn Lowry. Wow. Okay. Who's that? The captain. Who's that? Lynn Lowry was the captain. That's the first person that we that we hired. The older older person, the actress. Yes, the captain one? of the the one that plays my mom in the movie. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So Jeff, sometimes in your films. You're on camera in addition to writing, producing, and directing. Did you know that? all along that you want to act in this movie and not just be behind the camera? Yes. The reason for that was because the last film I did, I hired somebody else to be the lead actor and it went terribly wrong. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> I know what I want. Also, you know? And also probably he charged nothing. As yeah, actor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to pay myself. So it's cheaper. <laughs> I'm cheaper, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Very smart. Well, by you are also a smart business person, and you've also had success as a singer and producing films and all that. So at this point in your career, are you exactly where you want to be having this career 
where you're always working on a variety of job titles? You know, life is, goes like this, you know, we have to ride the waves. This is my film just mentioned, see, Bailin film, my current romance with toilet paper. I have some offers where in a post-production, I'm still looking for the exact what I want. It's going to go viral. It's going to go to Broadway show. I very much follow a nature's rhythm. I'm grateful the movies have been in my career. So like you mentioned, I'm doing everything. I just feel life is a gift. You know, we have to enjoy what we got, what we have, and also hopefully we'll support, help others. I think a film is to entertain others, to give them joy, surprise them, and scare them. So I'm, I'm very happy to support a lot of uh, independent filmmakers. Outro.